You're listening to the Keep Going Podcast, where we keep going after the heart of God because He's our only hope. I'm Nika Maples. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 15 of the Keep Going Podcast. Right now, we're in a series called A Walk Through the Psalms, and today our focus is still on Psalms 90 through 106. Just a note, I use the New Living Translation as my primary text because it's readable, and I don't approach these podcasts as a scholar, but as a lover of the Word who wants to share simple spiritual observations from my own daily Bible reading. Let's review the previous podcast in two points. Number one, we found connections between Book 4 of the Psalms and the Book of Numbers through learning how the Israelites were instructed to cover their special possession from the tabernacle. In the same way, they were to spiritually cover their special possession of the Promised Land. Number two, we discussed how God often made the Israelites wait under the covering of the cloud without moving on, In the same way, we may get frustrated when God asks us to wait without moving on, but the wait is always with our best interest in mind. Welcome to the Indefinite Wait, Part 2. My, my, my. Apparently, when a certain someone is brazen enough to title a podcast, Welcome to the Indefinite Wait, Part 1, then that certain someone is setting herself up to illustrate the very thing she is teaching, shall we say, a little more vividly than she first intended. And now I present to you, welcome to the Indefinite Wait, Part 2, almost five months later. Welcome. Ha ha. The essential quality of a teacher is that they cultivate a teachable heart in themselves, which means that a teacher must settle into the reality of being a student. He or she must be willing to be taught in order to teach. I thought I had been taught quite a bit about waiting, but when I wrote the last podcast about a period of indefinite waiting, I was resolutely convinced that the end of my waiting was right around the corner. Indeed, that is what I thought in July, but here we are on the verge of December and there is no end that I can see. Let me read you a story written by a dear friend of mine. There was once a jeweler. He was a very quiet and humble man. Everyone in town came to him to value their jewels because they knew him to be honest and trustworthy. He had aged, but his eye for value had not. His grandson came into his shop one day. The young boy found his grandfather in the back, holding something within a deep red velvet cloth. The old man was smiling as he peered at the item. Grandfather, what are you looking at? May I see? Not yet, my boy. Not yet. The old man folded over the velvet cloth and placed the item in a safe. He locked it and went out to the front of the shop. The grandson looked at the safe, curious at why his grandfather would hide away something if it were so special. Years passed, and the grandson took up his grandfather's business. He had learned all the ways of the trade from his grandfather, as well as the value of honesty and trustworthiness. He often caught his grandfather taking out the red velvet cloth 
and looking at the mystery item with a grand smile. The grandson grew into a respected young man, and he soon met a young woman whom he loved and admired. He spoke one day to his grandfather about picking out a ring from the shop. He wanted it to be the best ring he could find. His grandfather smiled but said nothing. The young man spent the day examining all the rings in the shop, comparing each ring down to the tiniest detail. None seemed just right for his sweetheart, and he became frustrated by the end of the business day. He didn't want to look for a ring in any other shop. After all, this was his own family's shop. What an embarrassment if he had to go looking elsewhere. He finally settled on one that was the best out of those that were available here. He hadn't noticed, but his grandfather had been watching him throughout the day, stifling a laugh. As they locked up the shop for the day, the grandson approached his grandfather to ask permission to buy the ring that he'd settled on. His grandfather took the ring from his grandson's hand and placed it on the counter. Then, grabbing his grandson's arm, he led him to the back office. He took a key from his vest pocket and unlocked the safe. Never in all the years of working beside his grandfather had the young man been allowed to see what this safe held. He knew it was the most treasured item because only the grandfather knew what it was. All the young man knew of it was that it was wrapped in a deep red velvet cloth. Come, my boy. The young man walked to stand close beside his grandfather. His grandfather's wrinkled hands pulled out the velvet cloth and unfolded it carefully. There lay the most exquisite diamond ring the young man had ever seen. His breath caught as he saw the sparkle. It was set in an elaborate gold setting. Grandfather, where did... It's yours, he said as he handed it to his grandson. Mine? But it must be worth... I've been saving it for you. Only now are you able to appreciate its value. You've learned what marks value and worth. You've looked over every other option in the shop, and only now can you appreciate the value of this beauty. This analogy is called The Hidden Diamond and can be found at my friend's blog, feathersforarrows.com. If you'd like to read it again, you can find it there. I share her writing with you because when she told this story to me, it really struck a deep place in my heart and helped me understand a facet of waiting that I cherish only after the fact. Waiting trains us to see what we could see no other way. I guess my first inclination for the touchstone verse of this podcast was Psalm 90:13. How long, O Lord, will you delay? But no, we can't rest there. We have to keep going. Our real touchstone verse is from Psalm 105:19 and refers to the Joseph of Genesis who went through many trials before he became second in command over all of Egypt. It reads, Until the time came to fulfill his word, the Lord tested Joseph's character. To receive the maximum impact of this verse, I'm going to insert my own name, and then I'm going to read it again and let you insert yours. Until the time came to fulfill his word, 
The Lord tested Nika's character. Your turn. Until the time came to fulfill his word, the Lord tested character. Until the time came to fulfill his word, the Lord will test your character. Ecclesiastes 3.1 tells us, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Sounds good to me, but Acts 1.7 tells us it's not for you to know the times and dates set by God's own authority. So, um, back to the wait. Because if there's a season for every activity under heaven, then the indefinite wait might just be the season of character testing. There's a misconception about testing, real testing. I became aware of it when I taught English in public schools. Whether I was teaching sophomores or fifth graders, they all seemed to believe the same mistaken thing. That test day is all about me, the teacher, trying to prove what they, the students, don't know. The test was going to catch them, they thought, expose them, show their lack. I guess this is what some teachers convey to their classes because this is what students mistakenly think a test should be. One of my own high school teachers used to say something so pointedly that we all still remember it. He stood in front of the class and said, you people have not been listening. So when you take this test, you will fail and then you will cry and I will laugh. We all loved that coach and still joke about him today, but this is not the way a conscientious teacher views test day. A test delivers two pieces of information when a test is done well. First, first, a test reveals to the student what the student knows. It's not a trap to expose scarcity or what they don't have. It's an opportunity to show abundance or what they do have. When the student sees his or her competence, the course of action is to continue what they've been doing or to turn on a little steam in order to improve in certain areas. Secondly, a test reveals to the teacher what he or she has done well and what he or she needs to improve in the way of instructing. Ultimately, a student's shortcoming is my shortcoming as an instructor. I always could have done things differently. But the truth of the matter is that by test day, I can pretty accurately predict a student's competence anyway. I can tell what they've mastered through the discussions we have in class, through their practice work, and even sometimes through the look on their faces when they do or do not pay attention to me. Of these options, I do not think God tests us to reveal to himself what he could be doing differently in the way of instruction. Because he's perfect in all things, of course. And he's also omniscient, so the tests of our characters don't give him any information that he doesn't already have. They don't give him any insight into our lives and hearts that he doesn't already know. The tests of our character are for us. They're for us. We need to know our competencies in matters of faith, and we need to be aware of the areas where we could use some improvement. This is our training, and it prepares us for the coming promise. God could not just give Joseph rule of Egypt. He had to learn a lot before he could take on an authoritative role. Namely, he had to learn who is the authority of those in authority. One of my favorite verses is Hebrews 12, 11 through 12. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. 
Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. No one wants the discipline. All we want is the harvest. No one wants to strengthen the weak places. All we want is the healing. No one wants the now. All we want is the later. Just ask Joseph. He'll tell you. No one wants to be thrown into a dungeon. All we want is the throne. Get it? Throne? Anyway, and welcome to the Indefinite Wait Part 1. I talked about the importance of staying under God's covering and protection. The way we stay there is to move when he says move and stay when he says stay. So let me emphasize that if our character is being tested during a season of waiting, we are under God's covering and protection. It may feel hazardous as when Joseph was faced with his trials, but it is not. God will not leave us. Circumstances may hurt, but they will not harm. There's a difference between hurt and harm. Isaiah 43, 2 holds a sweet promise for us. When you go through deep waters, it reads, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. So do not fear the flames. God never lights a fire for nothing. It's always to purify and beautify to make stronger. He is making you into a mirror, a better reflection of himself upon the earth. Don't rush the process. Indefinite doesn't mean eternal. There is a reason we must not hurry it along, as explained in James 1, 3-4. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. The New Living Translation calls it letting your endurance grow, but the New King James calls it letting patience do its work. During our testing, our patience and endurance are doing a powerful work. They are training us to take our promise when it's time. It is here in the indefinite wait that we learn, we really learn that our good Father has our best in mind at all times. As we wait, we will learn to trust Him. And do you know what will happen if we do not learn this? See for yourself in Psalm 106. It is a terrifying result of not being trained by the wait. In verse 24, read, The people refused to enter the pleasant land, for they would not believe God's promise to care for them. Right now, you and I want the promised land so badly that we can't imagine not taking it. But that is what would happen if we don't develop deep trust in the Lord. So, part one of Welcome to the Indefinite Wait emphasized staying under the covering of God's timing. Our waiting is perfect. Part two has emphasized embracing the training of God's timing. Our waiting has purpose. And part three, which will come soon, will emphasize relishing the joy of God's timing. Our waiting can be a pleasure. Today's music is a delight. A few days ago, Shane and Shane released a new album called Psalms Live. And though I've been listening to Shane and Shane constantly since 1999, this record has to be my favorite of all. 
Just when I was getting a little tired of this particular worship song, my boys covered it. Listen to No Longer Slaves as recorded by Shane and Shane. It's used with permission. You will not be sorry if you buy this album, especially if you're in a time of indefinite wait. Because as long as we're waiting, we might as well sing. And now, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the hope to which he has called you. We'll talk soon. Until then, keep going. Ah uh...